My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome to another day as we continue our journey through the Word of God, and I'm so glad you're joining me. I don't know if that's on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, podcasts, wherever you are. Welcome, and I'm excited to go through the Word of God as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Matthew, and we are continuing to look at chapter 13 today. We are going to be looking at the conclusion of Matthew chapter 13 from verse 44 and to verse 58. And these are more parables about the kingdom. Let's start in verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. <laughs> um, this The field is the world. But the man doesn't represent the believer because we have nothing to buy this treasure with. Jesus is the man who gave all that he had to buy this field. This parable and and the one following are different in character to the previous three that we looked at in the in, in the previous video. The previous three parables, the wheat, the tares, the mustard seed, the leaven, each spoke about the corruption in the kingdom community. These two parables speak of how highly the king values the people in his kingdom. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The treasure is so wonderful that Jesus would give everything he had to purchase. Is his love for the individual believer. It's, it very powerfully shows how Jesus gave everything he had to redeem the whole world, world, to buy back the whole world in order to preserve the treasure that's in you and me. He sees you and I as having treasure in us. He treasures us because there's treasure in us. You may not value you, but Jesus does. Spurgeon said this, So did Jesus himself at the utmost cost buy the world to gain his church, which was the treasure that he most desired. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, Jesus is the buyer. He's the uh, the individual believer is the pearl. Jesus sees that each person is as valuable as a pearl, that he would happily give everything that he had in order to have that pearl forever. The pearl of great price, it seems crazy and over the top for a merchant to sell everything that he has just for one pearl. But for this merchant, it was well worth it. It shows how much he valued this pearl of great price. That's how much Jesus values you and I. He, Jesus would have done everything he did for one pearl. You, you as one pearl, me as one pearl. These are, these are amazing parables here. Verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. 
which, when it was full, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. The second time in, in one chapter where this has been talked about. This is, this is amazing. Um, Jesus shows that the world will remain divided right up until the very end. You see, we, we want peace. The church is not here to reform the world, okay, ushering in the kingdom. We're not here to bring everybody together. We're here to spread the gospel good news of Jesus Christ and do our very best for the body of Christ to be as large as possible as it possibly can for Jesus the head to come back. There, at the end of the age, there's going to be the wicked and the just. And those people are going to exist until the end, which is also demonstrated in the previous parable of the, the wheat and the tares. And at the, at the time, the angels are going to come forward and they're going to assist the king in the work of judgment. Who, what are they going to do? Send some to the fiery furnace for the final judgment where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. In other words, they're not destroyed. It's like eternal misery. You, you don't get to go to hell and then just like, oh, well, I guess that's it's over now. No, it's going to be eternal wailing and gnashing of teeth. You don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that for people. That's why I do what I do. Uh, okay. Jesus said to them, have you understood all of these things? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Now, Jesus says to the disciples, after telling them all these parables, do you understand? They say, yes, Lord. We actually don't know whether they did or not. I, I know I've asked my children. Now, I just told you this. Do you understand? They go, yes. They, well, they really should be just like, no, but they just don't want to tell me that. I don't know if that was the case with the disciples. But Jesus didn't second guess their answer. He assumed that there was an integrity in their answer. Uh, he didn't deny their claim to understand. Now, so let's assume that they did understand. They had an advantage over many of the people who were part of the multitudes because the multitudes had already gone away. Remember, Jesus is speaking parables. The multitudes go away. The disciples come in. Can you tell us what they meant? The multitude went away, uh, Matthew Poole said, as most people do from sermons. None the wiser understanding nothing of what they heard, and they don't care whether they understood it or not. See, I know if I preach and somebody doesn't understand something I say, they'll send me an email or a message and they'll ask me for clarification. But it might be some people who don't understand something I say and they just leave and they're like, oh, I don't understand it and I don't care that I don't understand it. That's the point that Jesus was making. Jesus said that everyone who really knows God's word will both know the old and learn the new of the kingdom. Every scribe, every scribe. Um, in verse 52, Then he said to them, Therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasures, things new and old. The main idea is that the disciples who had just claimed to understand what Jesus taught when he asked them, do you understand? They said yes. They're now responsible to bring forth their understanding to other people as if they were distributing from the storehouse the, the, this wisdom and understanding. Jesus said, do you understand it? Okay, yes, you do. Okay, now go tell other people. I guess if they had said no, he might have 
gone over it again. I don't know. But this storehouse has things that are new and things that are old. And that's what they're meant to teach. Adam Clark, a small degree of knowledge is not sufficient for a preacher of the gospel. We need to know things that are old, things that are new. Matthew Poole, ministers of the gospel should not be novices, but men mighty in the scriptures. This is what Jesus was saying. If you're going to be my disciple and go and teach people, you better know the things that are old and the things that are new. An inspiration to them as much as a challenge. Verse 53. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. Synagogue, just one. So that they were astonished and they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? These, these are villages, you know, Jesus has returned to his area, um, which is, you know, Nazareth, place where people have watched him grow up. These villages were familiar with Jesus who was a boy and they weren't accustomed to seeing him do anything spectacular, which means that I guess we could assume that Jesus grew up as a normal boy. He just grew up and they just went, yep, that's Jesus. Joseph's boy. Um, is this not the carpenter's son? Uh, that question was asked out of ignorant prejudice. In other words, I'm uh, pretty sure that this is the guy whose father was a carpenter. So obviously, you know, where did he get all this information? But it could also be asked out of deep appreciation of the fact that the Son of God took a noble, lowly place to be a son of a carpenter in the first place. Now, the question is asked, what about his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas? Jesus plainly had brothers and sisters, okay? Uh, it's, it's listed here. He had brothers and sisters. People bring the same charge against Jesus today. I see those associated with him. They seem lowly or normal. So then Jesus also is not that special. See, they, they were like, well, we know Jesus' brothers. We know his sisters. So he can't be that special because we know them. That's the same today. People look at you and me and they go, well, they're pretty average. I mean, I'm pretty average. I'm, 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 I'm probably slightly below average. Uh, and people that, well, you know, if, if he can be a Christian, then oh, I don't know if there's anything special about it. Um, Jesus was happy to be associated with people that other people thought weren't that special. And for me, he gets a massive hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Where did this man get all these things? Their reception of Jesus wasn't welcoming. It wasn't friendly when he went to his where he grew up. And uh, they had skepticism. They spoke skeptically. And they would all they would refer to him as this man, even though they knew his name. They knew he was Jesus. Okay, verse 57. So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. They were offended. 
when we think of how strongly Jesus is identified with Nazareth, uh, it's surprising to see that the people of Nazareth didn't appreciate that. That the success and the glory of Jesus only seemed to make them more resentful towards him. You, you would have thought they would have embraced him because what he did was amazing. You would imagine they would have been claiming, claiming him as their own. Oh yeah, he, oh yeah, my kid played with him. Oh yeah, my son was Jesus. Him and Jesus, like my son, Jesus, best friends. He used to come over all the time. Yeah, tell us stories, teach us stuff. Yeah, like, you know. I mean, you would imagine they would embrace him, but they never did that. They just resented him for who he was. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honour except in his own country and in his own house. We often have wrong ideas about what it means to be spiritual. We often think that spiritual people will be much more strange than normal. In other words, they were like, well, if he's so spiritual, why, why isn't he, why is he like the normal people? You can't be like the normal people and be this really special person. We, and we do the same thing. We're like, oh, if somebody's really spiritual, they've got to be somewhat a little bit abnormal. So those closest to truly spiritual people, they get to see how normal they are and they think, well, now that I know them, they're actually not that different than me. So I don't know if they really are that spiritual. Maybe they're just more normal. Jesus understood that this that familiarity was going to be a problem for people when it came to the things of the Spirit. And he didn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Guzik says this, It is truly remarkable that Jesus was, in some manner, limited by their unbelief. As long as God chooses to work in concert with human agency, developing our ability to partner with him, our unbelief can and may hinder the work of God. So, what do we observe today? The kingdom of heaven is something Jesus wanted us to know about because he talked about it a lot. He wanted to teach us about the kingdom of heaven. He wanted us to understand that belief is important. Not the quantity of our belief, but the very existence of our belief. Your belief and my belief in who Jesus is as our Lord and Saviour is what unlocks his ability to do things in our lives. And I think about all these things that we've just read in this just this very short passage here. And I think about the kingdom of heaven. And I think about Jesus saying, hey, I did everything for you. I would have bought you for, I would have done everything just for one pearl. I, 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 there's, there's nothing I wouldn't do just for you, just for the one. See, Jesus sometimes believes in us a lot more than we believe in ourselves or we believe in him. And that's where we have an opportunity to make an observation today. Let's not get too familiar with Jesus. Let's not get too familiar with the people who are spiritual people in our life. I always say to people, you know, godly counsel, the book of Proverbs is all about seeking godly counsel. Who should you seek counsel from? People who have the evidence of fruit of good decision making. But that's what we're meant to do in life. Now, the problem is, is that you can look at people who have the fruit of good decision making in life and then you get to know them well and you're like, well, they're not actually that special. So then we start to pull back. Oh, well, I'm not going to ask them for counsel because they're not that special anyway. Well, you can't just get the book of Proverbs and rip it out of your Bible and say, well, now because they're not that special, I'm not going to ask for their counsel. It's the same with Jesus. The things of Jesus. Jesus, to the people who knew him, just seemed so normal. He just seemed like his brothers and his sisters. 
Yet he was the son of God doing the most amazing, miraculous things. And that's what he wants to do in your life and my life. Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing to us that there is nothing, Jesus, that you wouldn't have done just to purchase one of us. Thank you that you consider me to be a pearl of great price. Thank you that you consider everybody watching this to be a pearl of great price. Thank you that you saw treasure in them as a field, hidden. and It's treasure that they couldn't see themselves, but you see it. Jesus, you bought the whole field just for that little bit of treasure. Help us therefore, Lord, to have a belief in what you can do and a belief that you are the most normal saviour. You are the most normal supernatural son of God that we could possibly imagine. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.